This program was produced with the support of StoryHive, creativity connected by TELUS. For more information, please visit storyhive.com. Welcome to That's Trash. Can I touch your hair? This is our first episode. We are obviously quite excited about this. This has been a long time coming. Maybe, Makiba, you could tell us how we came up with the title. I mean, initially, it started with me telling Sadea a story of a woman petting me in the bank. But it kind of is a bigger picture issue of how, particularly when you are of color and you have curly hair or more textured hair, it seems to be treated in a way that it's like, you know, a show and tell. It's a bigger conversation, but it really did start with the story of a woman petting me in the bank. <laughs> Can I touch your hair? She didn't even I ask, feel like that etched in my mind. Oh. I don't know what's worse. I think for me, what's worse is people going to touch my hair and then being like, oh yeah, you guys are weird about that. And it's like, no, I wouldn't just go up and touch someone without their permission anyway. Like we're all about consent in these parts. Um, so the fact that you think because my hair is different from yours, whether it be in your mind, black hair or textured hair or beautiful or whatever, um, doesn't give you the right to go up to someone and treat them like you're in a petting zoo. I'm not a sheep, despite what this may, <laughs> may imply. Um, a stranger coming up to me and being like, oh my God, your hair's so beautiful. May I touch it? Versus one of my friends being like, oh, well, I'm allowed to touch your hair because I'm your friend. I'm like, no, no one's allowed to touch my hair because you touch it, it frizzes and then it looks whack. So <laughs> it's not even about being black. It's about like, I, I'm very vain and I want it to look nice all the time. Nobody touch my hair. I don't want anybody touching my hair. If we're dating, I don't need, like, no. you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos of, or, or read where the man runs his fingers through the woman's hair. That sounds like a nightmare to me. You can keep all of that. It's literally my nightmare. <laughs> or if I'm having an especially greasy day and they're like, <sighs> ew. <laughs> so we want to welcome on Tat. We have her joining our conversation and we're so excited to have her here. So welcome, Tat. I'm so excited to have Tat. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Tat. Tat. Hi. Hello. Welcome to That's Trash. Let's talk about hair. Tat, one thing that we all have in common is that you also spent quite a bit of time in North Vancouver. Sure did. Um, I moved there in, so I guess I was just about, I turned hmm. 10 there. So I moved there in 97. And it was a pretty big culture shock because I had moved, I was born in Ontario, I was born in Toronto, and, and we moved a bunch of places. We lived in Jamaica, I lived in a bunch of small towns in Ontario, um, Buffalo, New York, and then Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And like those places were also pretty white. North Van was like this particular kind of white that I had never seen before. <laughs> It was all the similar kind of white. And I think I come from different places where it was like, oh, different kinds of white people. There was like the country ones and like the middle class ones with their fancy cars and whatever. And I don't know. I just went to like a weird hippie private school all of a sudden. And it was just like kids that had never eaten meat or non-organic food. And I had just come from like um, an American like public school cafeteria where we had like tater tot days. And I got like um, chocolate milk. I was like... 
nutrition. <laughs> now you're eating tempeh. <laughs> there was a pizza day, a tater tot day, <laughs> a burger day. I think there was two pizza days. And like, there was like, there was not a vegetable in sight in that situation. And I came here and they were like, oh, bio, biodynamic apple chips. And I was like, I don't understand any of those words besides the apple part. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty big shock. It was a pretty big shock. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think to give uh, a little like editor's note here, the whole organic and biodynamic tempeh, all that stuff happening in North Van was happening long before it was trendy to be a vegan. Like it wasn't, it was a, a special microclimate of an area. Um, to give you an idea, North Vancouver is about 30 minutes outside of Vancouver or downtown Vancouver. It's uh, always been a pretty nice area. It's very wealthy. I used to always like to refer to it as Fern Gully because it was this very special like forest filled zone where people beat to the sound of their own mm -hmm. drum. But it's also a place that if you are different from the norm, you really, really, really stick mm -hmm. out. And I felt like it was like a weird, yeah, like exactly like you, you're saying it's, it wasn't the norm anywhere else. And they just kind of expected that everyone lived their life that way. And that it was so weird to not know all of these things. But I'm like, have you, have you stepped outside your weird bubble? Because like, not a lot of people are living their life, like exactly the way that you are. And it's, I find it very extreme that you don't want to like, learn or hear about, you know, or most of just like anything else that they didn't believe in was just like trash, basically. Just like full circle. Um, it just, yeah, it just, they were really judgy about a lot of stuff. And like, I felt a lot from a lot of just the parents, like the kids weren't necessarily like intentionally judgy, but it, came through their parents and the thing about north van is that because it's such a nice area because it's so beautiful because it's so safe and everything it's as if they're th that way of life is the right way so if you question it it's very strange to question it because everyone every, people say well if we're eating organic and we're doing this and i'm taking care of my kids why why would you question it why would you be against it so i feel like it can also be a little bit suffocating and we didn't, we weren't in the economic situation where we could be affording all of these like fancy things and, and going, getting probiotic and going to homeopathic doctor and like all these extra hippie medicine things that weren't, that weren't cheap and not accessible to everyone. And it was just kind of like, you had to kind of work your, almost work your way up to be at their like ultimate level of life. Like that's, you know, it's like, oh, that's okay that you don't know what this is, but I'll show it to you. And then you'll know that that's the right way to be. Like you're like, we're supposed to all, we were it almost felt like we were all supposed to get onto their super rich hippie level. And if you weren't at that level, you weren't living a positive life almost. And I feel like, I mean, historically in terms of people like BIPOC backgrounds, a lot of our practices and traditions stem from sustainability, organic living, like, you know, in the Caribbean where my dad's from, like my grandma has a whole garden full of different, I always say lotions yeah. and potions, but it's like fruits and vegetables, which, you know, you make something and make, I don't know, a salad or a stew out of it. And then the leftovers you use as a paste in your hair or for your skin or a salve and all these different things. But there's this kind of narrative 
I feel in certain communities, and this is like particularly as it associates to beauty and uh, like in segueing into kind of hair, if you're not spending like top dollar on the top product from this salon or whatever, then it's seen, seen as lesser than like when I was putting coconut oil in my hair as a young child. Yeah, as soon as they take it and like make it this like now trendy thing and it's like, if you, yeah, it's like if you add coconut oil to it now, it has like, you know, it has this extra like exotic mystique, like, you know, it's like, oh, these other people used to use it, but we didn't believe them before, but now we've taken it and marketed it towards you. And now it is the right thing to do. Put it in a package with millennial pink (laughs) and like curly cute writing. That whole, when coconut oil became popular and argan oil, and I'm not, I'm not saying that these oils aren't beneficial, but I remember my dad used to order shea butter for me when I was six or seven years old. And my friends would come over and say, ew, it's so greasy. Or, oh, your skin's going to break out. Like, I I can't use that because it's just greasy and it's terrible for your skin. And now you realize that none of those claims are true, but it was really, it was really hurtful because I felt like I was using something that worked for me, was so beneficial, was a beautiful product. And then, and everyone was telling me that it wasn't worth anything. Oh. And now you want to talk about coconut oil, coconut oil, like this whole world, baby, that we've been using for years, but now you've accepted it because it's light. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's- do you want to know a full circle moment for me? So I used to people, you guys have known me for a long time. So the, the listeners do not know this maybe about me, but I used to have like platinum, platinum blonde hair. I was blondorexic. Um, admittedly, I was addicted to the bottle of bleach. <laughs> it's a shameful moment in my past. It wasn't that long ago, but I remember, <laughs> I remember a girl that I've grown up with my entire life. When we used to go tanning at Ambleside Beach in West Vancouver when we were younger, I remember one time showing up and I had either like cocoa butter or, co- or coconut oil that I was using to tan with. And she was like, ew, it smells like, why would you want to smell like, like chocolate grease like that? Da, 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 da. So then full circle years later when I'm platinum blonde in my hair, like I hate to admit this because I know my family's listening and they said this to me, but I was like, no, it's not. But it was like snapping off. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't doing well, but I was like, it looks great. I wanted it this short, but I remember my the same friend. <laughs> yeah. I totally wanted it. This in this pixie cut. This is one, like, it's like, yeah. Uh, this this was an asymmetrical yeah. pop. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. But this one girl that the same girl that said ew when I was like slathering myself in coconut oil um, goes to me. She's like, oh, you know what I really what I heard really works for breakage. And I was like, oh, what? She goes, coconut oil. If you just like slathered on your hair, like before you go to bed or before you get your hair bleached out again, it protects the strands. I was like. Are you kidding me? The same thing that you told me I was gross for slathering on my skin so I could look like a greased chicken. <laughs> like, wow. The yeah, nerve. Cool. Cool. The nerve. And it was because the she'd bought, there's a, I, I won't name the brand, but there's a brand that sells at Sephora. It's a very popular brand. It's a clean vegan brand. Everyone loves it. They do make a very nice natural deodorant, but they literally sell a tube that's, pro- or not a tube, a jar that's probably like, 12 ounces of product for $68 or something crazy of pure coconut oil. And they market it as a moisturizing hair mask or like an everything oil 
for $67. And I'm like, you know, you can go to like the health food store and buy coconut oil or Amazon for $8 for like a 40 ounce jar that it will go bad before you can use it all. <laughs> it really like, bothers me yeah. that, that when people just put a, when things are accepted by the majority, then it's okay. And it can be expensive. It's just, it's very, very irritating. I remember being teased mercilessly for my hair and being called, oh, you're an Afro headed. I can't say the other word to it. You're this, you're that, your hair looks terrible. You look like a witch. And now, oh, it's cool. So I really like it. And oh, your hair looks so cute. And it's so fabulous. It's like, wh where were you 13 years ago when I was traumatized? You, yeah, you were probably the same ones who were teasing me. Sadea and I have talked about this before, Tat, and I wanted to ask you your uh, opinion on it because I, and it came up because I referred to Sadea's hair as her fro and she was like I really don't like the term fro and and then as we talked more about it it was because it was used as like an insult or like a, kind of an abusive term towards her when she was younger and Tat like obviously you're the both of you your texture is a little more sim similar to each other's than mine like you have coarser yeah. texture like more I would say tighter more defined curls than I have um did you have the same sort of experience growing up in terms of like language being used as, as kind of like uh, as ammunition against, or was it celebrated in whether it be at home or. It was like, I always think about it. Cause I feel like sometimes people would say really rude things to me and I just didn't put it together. Like I just, I live in my own head a bunch that I don't think I necessarily like put together the weird little microaggressions that people said to me, but I feel like, I mean, I got like, frizzy a lot and I did get like I don't I don't really feel like anyone used the word like fro like derogatively towards me um but like I always had it up in like this puff like because when it was like big and out I didn't feel comfortable having it out and big at all and I really feel almost like sad about it because my hair will never get that long again I will bleach it till the end of time like I don't care it's never it's it's like it's not like I would rather have like blonde <laughs> hair or pink hair I guess that's what wigs are for when I had like and my hair was more like your textures past my shoulders and stuff at times and I never wore it out because it just I already felt like I was, I was tall. I was the weird, like mixed race girl. We were like the poor family in this private school and stuff like that. And I just, I didn't, I was too shy and I didn't like having it out. And cause yeah, then would, people would touch it or I, people would touch a lot. Like the, the little baby hairs that would like pop out, but people just called that like my ray of sunshine. So my nickname was kind of like sunshine. So it's more just like people like making like a big deal about it, but no one really, no, none of like my friends or like even their moms or anything like that said anything overly negative about it. It wasn't till like my teens and early 20s that I had random comments about it uh, that I can remember. <laughs> but more just, yeah, just making it standard or yeah, that they wanted me to be scary spice. Like I don't want like when people are like, well, your hair is your thing. I was like, how is my hair more? Like, how is my hair as such a thing? And the girl that I've never even dyed it or done anything to it till I was like 24. How is hair my thing? And like such like a big feature of mine, because why? Like, I don't do anything to it. Like all of you like little girls over there have been bleaching like, you know, like putting, putting crazy colors in it, getting chunky layers and, you know, doing different hairstyles and stuff like that. And I was just existing and my hair is like the, the big thing to talk about. I don't know about that. 
And how did you take care of your hair as a kid? I, I've never liked doing my hair. <laughs> and I don't like, I would kind of like do little like twist things. And I would like do like 90 little twisty back things and put little um, butterfly clips in it. And then this would be like pulled back and it would be this big like poof. I just called it the poof. And it was just out of my way. <laughs> and then sometimes I would leave it up there for like over a week or longer and then could cut the elastic and the poof would stay. Cause I wasn't like brushing my hair out all the time. The poof would just stay. It was just the poof. And sometimes I would do like a bun or sometimes I would do my own like multi braids, but it would only be like, you know, 15 per side and it would be all weird parts and stuff. And like, or I'd like twist it up and put it back. I always just wanted it like out of the way. I never wore it out ever. I only started wearing, and then I started doing my hair and playing with my hair when I went on the journey to like straighten it all the time. And I think that started around 17. I just don't have the patience for it. So not much. And like my mom had similar curls to Makiba's, but like a softer. And so she, and she, all she did was put it up in a little top knot bun. I didn't learn beauty stuff from my mom. <laughs> so like she just, um, we had, I probably like oiled it up. I didn't like shampoo it a lot. And then I learned stuff from from me going to get my hair done by other people. I like gradually learned a little bit more. I have a follow-up question. How was your experience going to black salons? Oh, so scary. <sighs> because I feel like we didn't really, I probably didn't really go to salons until I decided that I wanted to go to it. Like we would just cut our own hair. I would just cut my own hair. I would cut my mom's hair. I cut my sister's hair. My mom would always make me cut her hair. I'm not really sure why. We just didn't spend money on that kind of stuff. Um, and then I thought I wanted to be in the beauty, beauty industry. And like when I was younger, I wanted to like own a spa and then I wanted to own a hair salon. And so then I started to like kind of gravitate towards that kind of stuff. Um, my dad, funnily enough, was the one that kind of pushed me towards that kind of to try to find a way to like take care of it and find like a good hairdresser because um I don't know he just saw it as like a struggle and he like talked to more black people and he just like I don't know he's like Jamaican man about town and like talks to everybody but the first time I remember going into there's the afro hair studio on commercial drive and the way it was set up when I was like younger was a lot like you walk in there was just so much stuff and then like it, yeah, and anytime I walked by like a bunch of black people or like a barber shop or whatever, everyone just looked at me and went like silent or you could hear them talking about me. So I just like, and I was a really, really shy kid. So I just like, I just, yeah, we walked in there and everyone went silent. And then mm -hmm. we wanted to get my hair just like cut naturally. And they didn't mm -hmm. really like want to do that. They wanted to do, they're like, we can do braids or weaves or whatever, but they weren't really into like cutting my hair as is. And so it was a lot of my dad talking because I was too shy to like whatever. But I was just, I just, I still can't even, I honestly, <laughs> I've only started walking by it again, wow. like this year and like last year, because I get like, I get like flashbacks of it. Like it just makes me, because I would just, it's like having everyone just stare at you, like a whole place just stare at you, which happened like often. But every time that happens to me, especially like as a teen, like there's pivotal times where I'm like, oh, that one, that one was real hard. That, that one was like, was just like, everybody was staring at me and then they thought it was weird that I wanted to just cut my natural hair they wanted to do other stuff to it and then from pretty much from that time on then I was just like wanting to straighten it all the time so and that was easier to explain and find because people once they straightened your hair then they knew how to cut the hair but 
cutting it natural curly, like even the black people didn't want to do it. Mm. Well, I think that that ties into kind of the like the overarching theme in terms of like this, like European standard of beauty, where it wasn't until recent years where accepting your curly hair, I know for myself even has been acceptable where people actually constantly comment on my, like for me personally, it's, I have more people commenting, how'd you get your hair like that? Tell me your hair care routine. Tell me like, can you film a video more so now than when I was younger? And I know like my mom's a hairstylist and obviously she knows how to cut my, my hair and my sister's hair, but I wouldn't necessarily say that she knows how to handle all textured hair. Um, even then, like I went through a lot of times where it was school picture day and I want her to blow my hair out and make it smooth. I had Brazilian blowouts. I like I ironed my hair with an, an actual clothes iron and would like put a towel at my roots and pull the iron across the length of my hair, which is like a, a 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Um, and I would do it dry too, because I didn't want it to frizz from the moisture. And I think it just, it, it's, and going to these like black, quote unquote black salons. And I know the one you're talking about cause it's right beside a restaurant that my father and I frequent a lot on the drive. Um, like you go in there and it's like, well, like you don't want braids, you don't want to weave. And I, like, I've never had a weave in my life. And even when I went to go get braids there once, they said, oh, do you want us to take your weave out first? I was like, this is my hair. <laughs> like, so <laughs> it's kind of this, and they, they were like, what? That's your natural hair? They were mind boggled. And it's because it's this narrative that like, we can't wear our hair how it's meant to be worn because society doesn't accept it. Like if one of you got a weave in order to have your hair be a looser textured curl, like what I have, that's like, oh, like, of course she'd get that. But even my hair, like I've been in situations at work or, or otherwise, well, specifically at my last job where my manager told me that I, she has naturally curly hair, but never wears it curly because she looks at me and I look so disheveled that she, that's why she straightens her hair. Like she what? was basically trying to say, she was basically trying to say, you know, I have really naturally curly hair, but I'm uncomfortable wearing it. And then I see yours and yours looks like, you know, that's your vibe. But like, I don't feel comfortable having like disheveled hair. And I was like, what? Like, first of all, thank you for your unsolicited opinion that I did not ask for. Secondly, thank you for your microaggression because you would never say that to one of the white girls on staff. And thirdly, like what, what have you been trained to believe in your lifetime that curly hair is somehow unkempt, unprofessional and not beautiful. And it, it comes from, you know, Eurocentric standards of beauty. Sorry, both of you yeah. are like slack jawed looking at me right now. No, because like, it just like, no, because it goes, it goes like so far back because it's like, there's this massive narrative and like rules in place that have been like told that our hair is unkept, unprofessional and messy. Mm -hmm. Like hot, how long have hot combs been around? Like you had to like, women had to go every week and pay to get their hair done because they weren't allowed to go to work unless their hair was a certain way. You can't go to school unless your hair is done a certain way. You can't work at this certain establishment because it, it looks a certain way. Like it's just so messed up and it's so deeply entrenched that people don't even know it's happening. And it's like, it's crazy that like, black people have black women having like their hair natural out is like almost considered like a radicalized like statement to have it like not like oh it's like yeah it can be out but it can't be frizzy it's just like yeah it's like it's like gradual things it's like okay oh, yeah, we can have it kind of curly but only if it's smooth 
yeah, you can have it out, but only if the curls are defined. Like anything past that, anything that's considered like frizzy, nappy, like whatever, it's still kind of like, no, we got to hide that. We still have to make it silky. We still have to make it smooth. We still have to make it Eurocentric. And it's still, it's like, it's everywhere. Like, well, and on the flip side of that, it's like, I think I've had this conversation recently with a few people because tis the season for people getting myself included braids, a protective style. We love, we love a protective style, box braid, a cornrow, you know, some knotless. We love it. Love to see it. But also tis the season for our, our white brothers and sisters to also yeah. indulge in the same thing. And a friend of mine asked me, does it bother you when white people get braids? And to that, yes and no. The reason why it does bother me, the reason why it doesn't bother me is that I feel like, yes, braids are just that, they're braids. Like in yeah. throughout history, there's a lot of cultures that use braids in different ways. And, you know, like braids aren't necessarily ethnic. However, I've been in situations in my life when I've gotten box braids or something and been told that I look hood, ghetto, all these types of terms. And it's something that I'm doing to protect my hair, to keep it looking neat, tidy, out of the way, whatever, or because it's hot as hell outside. And I just don't want to deal with blow drying my hair every day so yeah. that it looks appropriate for whatever scenario I may find myself in. Whereas I see a lot of white folks getting braids wearing them out. And then I saw a video actually the other day of this girl, she had braids in and she said, oh yeah, I've got a job interview tomorrow. So I'm going to take these out so that I get the job. And it's like, that's what cultural appropriation is. When you wear a style as to look a certain way to, to fit in or look down or whatever. And then knowing that if you go into a quote unquote, a professional place, you won't be accepted because that style is perceived to be associated yeah, no. to yeah. a negative narrative yeah. that we, we don't subscribe to. It's complete. It's completely, it's completely different. And I don't want someone to feel guilty if they're listening to this and they have had braids for some reason and, and they, they don't feel guilty about it, but just understand that for us, it, it, there is a purpose for it, right? It, it's healthy for our hair. It helps our hair. And then it is hurtful to see someone who, for example, when I was growing up, I would see everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people in yeah. my grade would go to Mexico for a couple of weeks, get their braids done and come back and take their braids out and just think, oh, everything's so wonderful. And again, it's it, yeah. it's that you don't really have a purpose for wearing them. And I'm not yeah. saying you can't wear them to appreciate the yeah. style, but also we wear them because we have to wear them. When I get braids done, it's like a $350 investment. I'm wearing those things for five months like <laughs> like get them i'm gonna think you look stupid but like get them but i'm not like raging all the time and like thinking like you know it was like you're culturally appropriating on whatever i just think you saw the kardashians do it and you thought that was like a good time just know that they don't come from the kardashians and i don't really care but like if you have if you're a white girl and you have all the typical things and you look like you're trying to be a kardashian like i'm gonna think you look stupid but go for it <laughs> it's like i don't but I'm gonna think you look silly. I think what's annoying about it, and this is sort of a segue, is that I what also annoys me is that people are like, oh my gosh, I love your big fro, I love your curly hair, and it's nice. Like I say, I can't say that I don't enjoy the attention, but also it's like really, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want to be viewed as this exotic thing all the time, right? Like it's just it's just my hair. If you knew how long it took me to do my hair, it's it's really just blow drying it and going out the door. So it's not this, not a creature. 
when Kat and I first became friends, I remember like soon into our relationship, I got my hair braided and I went to get my nails done by Tat. She does my nails as well. And she was like, but like, it's so long. What do you do with it? Like, where do you put it when you sleep? And I was like, I fold it up and put it in a bag and like put in the, I take it off and put it in the drawer. She was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you think I do with it? And even now, like in the summer when it's hot, she's like, well, like, what do you do with your hair? I'm like, I don't know, put it up. And like, <laughs> it's, it's worth saying, like, Tack keeps her hair quite short. So I understand where these questions are from coming from. But I think. And even as a kid, I just put it up. What do you do with it? Yeah. My I mom think put it up. I think, well, I think also, like, as women, we're used to seeing women with like straight hair that's just like flowing down or whatever. Like, so. You wouldn't necessarily ask, I mean, obviously, Tat, you're an anomaly in this situation, but typically, like, you wouldn't ask the average girl walking down the street with, like, long, straight, blonde hair, like, what do you do with your hair? Or can I touch it? That's not as common, but I think because it, for for whatever, for a long time, even women with curly hair were always straightening their hair. It, when you see someone, yeah. like, embracing their curl, whether they be white, black, Chinese, like whatever, someone with curly hair, people are fascinated because it's just like so uncommon to yeah. see. And I, th and I think the reason why it's such an issue with people of color is because people of color have always been treated as for, as something that like, we don't have autonomy or agency over our own bodies. So it's that much more offensive when someone reaches out and tries to grab you because it's, it's historically, we've never had agency over ourselves. We've either, we've been traded and, and used as like, like even commodified. So that's why it's like, just like back up. Cause yeah. our, like I've been with, I've been with my white friends that also have curly hair and they don't have someone reaching out, trying to touch them. Wow. And no. it's like, I'm also the person that I don't like being touched by strangers or anyone anyways. So yeah. like, why are you trying to touch tried, me? Have you ever tried to mess with a white lady's like updo type of thing? Like that's a, you no. know what I mean? Why would I do that? Why would you I do would that? Never. You would never. <laughs> and yet they feel free to come and pet you at the bank. You know, you don't, you're not allowed to touch their hair if their hair is braided, but they can just come and pet you because it's interesting. Like if the, they, they, they can't even imagine it being reversed. They can't. They can't. They would not allow it. The cops would be called. Someone earlier today said that I think thank the heavens that black people and this is a generalization, but we have so much joy and we're able to bounce back. Because could you imagine if you're angry, bitter people, the world would not be the same. Oh my God. Well no, I feel like if we were angry, bitter people we would have had much more traction with some of our mm. efforts. <laughs> like, and I say that like tongue in cheek, I think something that makes most people of color, I'm going to, I'm going to umbrella term BIPOC people is that the trauma that a lot of us have experienced has made us be able to celebrate our wins and our joys. So with so much more gumption, gumption is my new favorite word, by the way, <laughs> but with so much more like power behind things. And also like, our trauma, most traumatized people are some of the funniest people I know. And Absolutely. if you're able to like, it's like Kevin Hart says, like laugh at my pain or like whatever that special he did was, I'm, I, that was a bad reference, but, <laughs> but it's I, like the thing of like being able to talk about these traumatic experiences on like a humorous lens or be able to laugh together as we share these stories, like it had, creates so much resiliency and drive in order to create a better world for future generations, which 
I mean, obviously I don't want to have had people experience the things that they have, but I think it makes you like a, a better well-rounded person when you're able to look at these situations and laugh. Like for instance, like the lady who pat, pet me in the bank, like it was pretty horrifying when it happened. But now I tell you guys this story and it's created a whole other thing that we can enjoy together. Yeah. Like I wish I had her number so I could thank her really. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the story. Um, Did you ever compare your hair with your friends or feel like, I know we touched on using oil or feel weird about the products you were using. Yeah. um, Yeah. I did not. Yeah. I mean, I let a lot of people unsolicited touch, um, like touch my hair without asking, especially when I was younger. And then, um, I would get that comment where it was like, Oh, it's so greasy. But then I would just be like, you touched it. Like, what did you think it was going to be? And then I do remember people being like, Oh, you don't shampoo your hair all the time. I was like, no. And it would look dry and stupid. And like, I don't have a greasy hair problem, <laughs> Becky. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> And like, you touched it. So that's your problem if your hand is greasy now. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I, if people were trying to, like, offend me or put me down or something like that, I feel like I don't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel negative at the time. Did you ever have an experience with any, like, childhood friends or anything where you felt othered because of your hair or just the being scary spice thing like they just always wanted to make it bigger like everyone just loved it like it just it just added to my differences and I for whatever reason any differences I was just that kid like any differences that I had that people pointed out I was like okay cool and it would be something that I was like cool I'm even more different now and I just like added it to the list of the things that made me different and that I liked so it didn't it didn't overly bother me it was just later on like older people would say to me like oh I I couldn't have that hair because it's it's um not professional or yeah your hair is pretty crazy when it was just like not even colored a weird color like an unnatural color or anything like that or um when I did a uh a work experience at a hair salon at the end they said um we can fix your hair and they straightened it for the first time. So that it was like things like that. And it was always from like adults, but it never really felt like from my peers. I get a little frustrated when people say like, my hair is my thing because it's just how, like it grows out of my head, just like everybody else. I really don't change it as much as people like say that I do it. Maybe it looks more obvious when I change it or something like that. But it's like, I dye my hair twice a year. And so I just always kind of get frustrated that it's such a big feature for people to talk about with me, especially when it's shorter too. Yeah. So I, I know that I had my first relaxer at age eight and I thought that it was the greatest thing ever. My scalp was burned, but I kept going back and I'm wondering what is your experience with relaxers and do you have any hopes for, I mean, the younger generation? I, I, I used to see those like relaxer kits in the, you know, just like in the drugstore back in the day. And I would always just stare at them and be like, what was it called? Was like, <laughs> yeah. And there was like another one. African pride. <laughs> African pride. They also had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so I would oh, dark and lovely. And dark and lovely. Boxes, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on here, but <laughs> we didn't do those. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it was when I started becoming more interested in my hair and that hair salon that I did the um, work experience at. I think I was, I think I was like about 16, maybe 17. And I don't know what they did. I think it was just some kind of relaxer. And that's when it really started it because I did always want, I did want hair that 
fell flat. Like, and I think that's why I would do like the braids or I would put it up and have it like slicked back because I just, I didn't see anyone around me with that kind of hair. And my mom's hair wasn't like that. My sister's hair wasn't necessarily like that. So, and like that time was like silky straight hair. Like that was the vibe, like heavy. Like it was, it was insane. Like people couldn't have no wave in their hair whatsoever. And so I just went on a huge mission to like try any relaxer, spend all of my own hard earned teenage money buying like a straightener. I got I like, yeah, I've spent like $500 on like a ceramic straightener straight from a salon and everything before anybody even had one. I got Japanese hair straightening. I got Brazilian blowout. Um, and then I did find eventually like a, a nice lady that my dad found. Um, and she, she's like this, like a second mom. She's so lovely. She's like this British black lady. Um, I can't remember who her family's from. I think Barbados. Um, but she did one kind of, that wasn't like so extreme. It still kept a bit of like a wave to my hair. So that one was really nice. Cause I had the option to like straighten it, but then it also kind of like, I could let it air dry and it wasn't like quite like Makiba's curls, but it was like, it was just like softer. And I, I had more, I could play with it more rather than what my natural hair was. So that was nice for like my final <laughs> little relaxer thing. I did like that for like the last five years, but I had a lot of breakage, a lot of damage, a lot of money, and just way too much time doing my hair every day. Like mm -hmm. it was supposed to, it was in my head, it was supposed to make things faster and easier and more versatile. But really I was doing my hair like half an hour every day or just wearing a bunch of hats. <laughs> I wore this Panama hat. <laughs> we know you can't see, but Tat has a, a hat collection behind her. <laughs> yeah, she's got a stack of hats. She's Tat in a hat. <laughs> <laughs> this thing from makeup school there's I, i'll wear this mustard hat that's a still a cool hat and i love that panama hat but that panama hat was my entire life and i would just straighten <laughs> i would just straighten the bottom <laughs> and just like not worry about the top because i would also not get my relaxer done very often. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the first time you've told me this but it makes me laugh as hard as the, because I think every curly haired, haired girl, like across generations, races, everything, every curly girl can tell a story of when they couldn't quite get their roots straight enough and just plopped a hat on and they're like, good enough. <laughs> no, just see this part. The relaxer would be grown up. I would go twice a yeah. year. You're supposed to go what? Every like, wait, no, six every weeks. six months is what I would do. And um, I just couldn't get my life together. I, if I was doing really good, I would go like every four months and my and we, everyone everyone was really proud of me. Um, but my hairdresser included. She knew I was just so weird. Um, yeah, everyone just accepted it. And I just wore hats all the time. And I wouldn't, I would not uh, work a job where they would just be like, no hats. Like that was unacceptable. You couldn't like... If you tell me to wear and tell me, like, no, yeah. If someone's like, you have to wear pants and no hats, I'm not working there. I can't do those things. That's not happening. Tat, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I worked at a steakhouse in Vancouver for a very long time, and it's when I had my pixie cut. 
And when my pixie cut started to grow out, I had a really hard time straightening my roots. And so I left that job and started working at another job where I was allowed to wear hats behind the bar. And that is no word of a lie. There are so many photos of me behind that bar wearing this green hat. This green hat. I can go grab it and show you guys. And it was my favorite hat for a whole summer. I You've seen me wearing hat. It looks really good on you. Oh my God, that's so funny. I'm crying. I'm crying. You know I, literally, I literally went to yeah. go work at this bar where all my friends worked at because I was allowed to wear a hat. I was like, I can't, I can't not wear it. Because my other option was to take a ton of gel and hairspray and make this like helmet of hair. Yeah. <laughs> just because it wouldn't straighten. Right. It was so short and so blonde and so broken that I would just like either hairspray it and gel it to like death oh, so it was literally like a skullet or where yeah. this i never had a hat face i did a lot of yeah. things but i i didn't have a hat face look at a big old head today i saw to get the sun out of my face yesterday <laughs> i today i i ran into you oh, on the street the other day wearing a hat Tat oh, ran into you in a hat oh yes i spared that <laughs> You just lied to us. You're in your hat face. Yeah, because I'm older. I don't want sun in my face. Not because I'm not straightening half my hair. <laughs> Ladies, come on. Just me. No. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into yeah. it. For <laughs> different reasons, but you're in your hat phase now. It's okay. <laughs> That's, so, I, I, I really love that job. Same thing. <laughs> Yeah, we might, we can, actually, I don't think we can air that because we're going to oh out all of us. We're going to out it's all of our sisters. We can't do that. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. Okay, so we like to do some rapid fire questions. We've talked about some heavy content today. We got emotional. We talked about feelings, hats, trauma, hat trauma. <laughs> So my first question, what is a product that you have tried that absolutely Ooh. did not work for your hair? Olaplex. A controversial statement. <laughs> I know. I understand like putting it in when you're getting the bleach out, but like after I was like, I don't know what's going on. And what is the best beauty product you've used on your hair? Okay. Oh, I actually have it. Okay. Cause I bought it from this supply store in Toronto and it's called Kerasoft styling lotion and I didn't think it would work or whatever but I put in my hair and it makes like the curls all fun and it was like it was probably like five dollars and I was gonna not use it it's for some reason that sunscreen in it that's good I don't know it's called shapes hmm. it's shapes I don't know what the brand is it's like I don't know if Kerasoft is the brand or shapes is the brand <laughs> a random thing for seven dollars that I was confused by so that leads into my next quick fire question Drugstore or salon products? Drugstore, honestly. Like, yeah. Right? The salon stuff is usually, like, some of the salon stuff, like, especially now that we have access to the interwebs and stuff like that, a lot of the salon stuff, like, they're just triple pricing stuff that is also sold in grocery, uh, um, drugstores. It's just, like, from different places. Or American ones. Like, I feel like the stuff that we can get here is, like, American drugstore stuff triple priced. I think that it's a specific to curly hair thing too. I think the curly products typically, especially drugstore ones, you find more like black owned brands and they just have it dialed like, and like, sorry, L'Oreal may own a certain brand, but they just like, they yeah. just can't compete. Well, yeah, and also and like, there hasn't been a big market for 
curly hair products, right? So no. we're not, you know, it's not like you go to a salon and we're going to buy $40 for that Olaplex. It's like we're, we're working our way in there, but you can't mess with our stuff. Okay. We know what we're doing. It's kind of working in our yeah. favor that they think yeah. that we won't spend money on it. So it's all like reasonably priced. You know what I mean? Like, they can't afford that. Let's make it $8, you know? <laughs> And then whatever over there that got it on the shelf at the, whatever, it's like they'll pay $50 for a tiny shampoo. Okay. Yeah. And what is your current hair care routine? Um, what do I put in there? I put an oil, well, conditioner, and then I put an oil, and then I put this fun shapes thing, and then I put a curl cream, and then I have like a sheen spray at the end. I, I'm taking my hair more seriously, my curly hair more seriously. Before I just kind of existed and I tried to keep it like moisturized and I just don't like when it looks like a sphere, but I, mm. I'm now making my curls definitely more defined. So I'm trying harder. I know everyone um, listening can't see, but Tat, your hair looks fantastic. And it's, this is like second day hair. Oh my God, her this new Grace Jones hair. haircut. I haven't even like, I didn't even do it today. It looks pretty good today. It's because yeah, it it's weird shapes thing. <laughs> you should get a brand branded it's like, instagram post know. yeah it's like this is not sponsored this came from like who knows where this came from four dollars yeah okay i have one last question bonnet or scarf oh the bonnet and this is also the first first year of bonnets for me so that I just, I missed out on a lot. I knew about silk pillowcases from the nice hairdresser lady that's like my second mom. Um, but I didn't get a bonnet until this year. And it's very exciting. And that's why I can have two-day hair now. <laughs> I'm learning. Welcome to the yeah. club. Welcome to the bonnet yeah, club. Yeah, it's very exciting. You feel really cool. And like, I feel like a granny in a really cool way. I just, it's amazing. Who, who knew? Lots of people. Not me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wonderful, Pat. Thank you so much for joining us for some You're giggles. Welcome. My Thank you for agreeing to all the crazy things I ask you oh, to do, oh. Tat. I love you. I will do pretty much anything you ask me, yeah. <laughs> well, don't say that. I said pretty much. I, was I, have, I have really bad ideas sometimes. I mean, it's funny, I'll do it. If it's a good story, I'll do it. That's Trash would like to honor and recognize that this episode was recorded on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations. We would also like to thank Jessica Gibson at the National Screen Institute of Canada and our mentor, Kim Ann Wilson, for their support with this project. This program was produced with the support of TELUS.